Most of my siblings live in more southern parts of the United States, and so I was bragging last year. There's the song, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and I always sing my version of it as I'm dreaming of a green Thanksgiving. We had one last year, and I I almost thought we were going to have two in a row, but I guess that was wishful thinking, a little too much to hope for here in the UP. But isn't it pretty out there? I think I got more snarls than I did smiles on that one. (laughs) Oh, now, there. okay, you do know how to smile. It's been kind of a somber morning. I like to see your smiles. I don't know if many of you know the story behind the song that that Shelby just sang. Uh, it's by Laura Story, and um, she wrote. Talk on it. Wasn't going to do this. She she wrote that from her journals after her seven year ordeal with her husband and his brain cancer. That's where that song came from. So if you listen to the words to that song, you understand the meaning, and, and that there's a lot more there than just a very beautiful song. Very well done this morning. Thank you. Um, that's a powerful song when you know the story behind it and think about it. Hey, could you two guys sit down, please? <laughs> Did anybody not get one? Anybody need one? Did we have enough? Good. All right. Open God's words to the book of Acts, chapter 12. Last week we spent time in the first 17 verses, and we're going to backtrack just a little bit. We're going to give you a world history lesson here, the the sheet that was just handed out to you, um, to help you uh, just get a little bit of understanding of of where we're at. If you'll take the the history sheet there, Herod the Great is the one that had all the babies murdered in Bethlehem after Jesus was born. Okay? He and Miriam had four kids, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, Herod Aristobulus, and Herod Alexander. And we'll get into some of this, but I don't want to make it too long. Herod Aristobulus and Mrs. Aristobulus had two children, Herod Agrippa I, And Herodias. Now that name Herodias should sound familiar because if you look over by Herod Philip, the second child of Herod the Great and Miriam, Herodias married her uncle. And Herodias and Herod Philip had a daughter named Salome. Then Herodias realized that Philip was a boar, so she divorced him and married her other uncle. Herod Antipas. Okay? And that is that Herod, okay, is the one that had his stepdaughter, his niece, dance for them at a banquet. And he she danced so well that he said, I will give you anything up to half the kingdom. And her mother coached her and said, Give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So that's that Herod. 
You thought you had some skeletons in your family tree. It gets worse. I'd say better, but it's not better. It gets worse. Back to Herod Aristobulus. Herod Agrippa and Mrs. Agrippa had Herod Agrippa II, Bernice, and Drusilla. Now, we'll give it to Drusilla because she married Felix, who is the Roman procurator. Okay, but Bernice... Okay, well, are you sitting down? Yeah, you're sitting down. Bernice left her husband for her brother. Hmm, enough said. Um, Moving on. Um, So, oh, and uh, let's see here if I get it right. Herod the Great had his wife murdered along with Herod Aristobulus and Herod Alexander. Just murdered them. They probably looked cross-eyed at him in the morning or something. I'm sure there's more of a story. but Okay, now we go down to the text on the bottom half of the, the paper. Herod Agrippa went to Rome to be educated. He lived a wild and riotous life. Kind of reminds you of the story of the prodigal son. He he left town penniless and broke, and he headed back home. And he begged his sister for some help. And by that time, Herodias had moved on from Philip to Antipas. So Antipas gave Herod Agrippa I a job in in his capital city of Tiberias. It was a menial job. And... Herod Antipas thought it was great fun to mock his, essentially his brother-in-law, who was really his nephew also. He mocked him publicly. Well, as any of us wouldn't, Herod Agrippa didn't take that so well. But he's kind of back on his feet. He heads back to Rome and he becomes fast friends with Caligula, who was not the Caesar at that time, but he was in line to be a Caesar. Caesar Tiberius threw and, and you know the apple not not the apple didn't fall far from the tree because this wasn't a relationship thing but but I, I guess you you display what is done to you and and Antipas had made fun of Agrippa in public and so when Herod Agrippa the first gets back to Rome he starts making uh, and mocking Caesar Tiberius for being stupid in public. For some reason, Tiberius didn't like that. So Tiberius throws Herod Agrippa in jail. Six months later, mysteriously, Tiberius is killed or dies. And Caligula becomes, remember, he and and Agrippa are fast friends. Caligula becomes the Caesar. He brings Herod Agrippa out of prison and gives Herod Agrippa a chain of gold that weighed the same amount as the chain of iron that had held him in prison. Now that his best bud Caligula is the Caesar, Herod Agrippa uses his position to get back at Herod Antipas, his brother-in-law that mocked him in public when he was back home. Caligula exiles 
Herod Antipas and takes all of his lands and gives them to Herod Agrippa to reign over. See, it's not what you know, it's who you know. We know that, though. Caesar Caligula dies, and Caesar Claudius takes over. Caesar, Caesar Caligula... Oh, no, I did that wrong. That last line there, the second time where there's Caesar Caligula, that should actually be Caesar Claudius. That's my bad. I have to fire my proofreader. Oh, that was me. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well. Uh, Caesar Claudius gives Samaria, Judea, or Judah, and Idumea, and that describes there a little bit who that is, to Herod Agrippa I. And now, Herod Agrippa I is controlling all of the lands that Herod the Great, his grandfather, once controlled and ruled over. Now you say, why all of that to get to where we are? The beginning of chapter 12 of Acts. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Okay? Herod Agrippa I has now received the power to reign over Judah and Samaria. Okay? So, as the new guy in town... You always kind of like to get in good with the people that are underneath you. Make, make them, even if you're not, make them think that you're a good guy. Okay? And so Herod tries to play nice with the people of Judah and Samaria in, in that whole area. Well, something happened, and we're not sure what. Um, I, I don't know if Josephus talks about it at all. Um, does anybody know who Josephus is? He's a, he's a famous church historian from the early days, very early. And a lot, of, a lot of what he has written, although it's not inspired gospel, collaborates and even at times gives more details than the scripture does on certain issues and certain topics. And he's been very reliable and found to be very, uh, a very consistent, reliable source uh, of, of solid history. But even, I, I don't know if, if Josephus uh, told us what happened. Um, we, we don't have it in the scriptures, but the people of Tyre and Sidon, uh, right on the coast, just, I believe they're south of uh, Caesarea, um, for some, some reason they're at odds with this, this new guy in town, Herod Agrippa I. Uh, they've done something. They, maybe they mocked him a little bit. I don't know, because we already know his experience with that is not good. Um, maybe they said something in public that wasn't kind. But there's, there's conflict there. And so he, Agrippa is trying to get past that. Uh, he worked past it with Antipas, Herod Antipas by, by getting him exiled. But he knows he can't move all these guys off to an island somewhere, the whole city of Tyre and Sidon. So he's trying to play nice. He's trying to make right with them. And and they want to make right with him also, although they did something, okay, initially. They want to make nice with him because he is now their ruler and he controls a lot of the trade and commerce. If he says, no, those ships aren't going to come into this port, those ships can't come into that port. 
And if he says this camel train is not going to take corn from Judah up to Tyre and Sidon, then that camel train isn't going to take corn up to Tyre and Sidon from Judah. And the, the people of Tyre and Sidon were, were small land area cities, but being on the coast, they were high in commerce, a lot, of, a lot of come and go. But they did rely on Judah, the Jews, Israel, for their corn. And they, so they wanted to play nice so that he wouldn't stop that, that trade from happening. After all, they're just like us. They want to keep their bellies full, right? They, they want to have a meal tomorrow and, and the next day. So this is where, this is where we're stepping in and, and where we stepped into last week in chapter 12. So Herod had, had grown up in this area. He knew the Jews. He knew their customs. He, he knew what would please them. He, he understood the, the, the hierarchy of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, in, in that they were at odds with this new movement called the Way. And, and this, this guy that supposedly died on a cross and was raised again, he, he understood the conflict between the two, and he knew that the, the group called Christians were the smaller group, and that the traditional Jews were the bigger group at the time, so he, he figured his target was the bigger group. So how, what, what could he do to make that bigger group happy? Well, get rid of some of this little irritating group called the Way, and so he kills James. And this is what we looked at last week, verse 2. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread, so he threw him in jail and was going to leave him there. He didn't want to cause a riot with the, the Orthodox Jews that were very traditional. And during their feasts, they, they couldn't have um, uh, murders or, or deaths. Uh, even if it, even if it was legal through corporal corporal punishment, uh, they didn't like that happening during their their feasts and their celebrations. So he put Peter in jail. And last week we looked and we saw uh, in verse five that there was a group of people at Mary's house praying. They were fervently praying that Peter would be released from jail or somehow saved, because obviously with Herod's Herod's not just Herod Agrippa, but the Herod's tradition and family history, they weren't akin to just whacking people off if they felt like it. And he obviously did with James. They were afraid the same thing was going to happen to Peter. But prayer was made for, uh, in verse 5, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. The very night that Harris is to bring him forward. He was sleeping. Remember, the angel came in and walked him out. How, what, but the, the angel, he was, he was sleeping pretty soundly. We talked about that last week. That for a guy who is due to be executed tomorrow and killed, he was having a good nap. He was sleeping pretty solidly. He wasn't so concerned. Because he knew that if his life was taken, he would be with God in eternity. But if he was spared and he was meant to stay here, that he had more ministry to do. He was okay with whatever God was going to allow to happen to him. He was prepared for whichever one. So he slept very soundly. In verse 7 it says that the angel struck Peter on the side. He, had to, he didn't just, hey, you know, tap him on the toe and say, hey, Pete, wake up. 
He had to strike him on the side. He had to really rouse him to wake him up. That's how good he was sleeping. Okay? And the angel said, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Gird yourself, put on your sandals. And, and this is something I didn't point out last week. I missed in my notes. God expects us to do our part. He's not going to do everything for us. He's given us gifts and abilities, and he expects us to work. He expects us to get it done too, okay? Obviously, at his direction. Here the angel's directing Peter, and he says, Get up, put on your sandals. And he did. And then the angel said, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he did. So Peter was doing his part, and he's led right through the, right through the guards. The gate opens. For them, nobody was even touching it. The gate opens for him, and they go out, and the angel's gone. Verse 11, Peter came to himself. It's kind of like, wake up now, Peter. This is real. This isn't a vision. He, he was thinking at one point that that may have been. Remember, he just had the vision not too long ago with the three sheets and all the animals in it. So we thought, you know, and that, that's a pretty dramatic vision. And so he's thinking, well, maybe this is a vision too. And he gets out on the road. The angel disappears, and he kind of like shakes out the cobwebs, and he says, oh. Yeah, this is real. So he goes to the house of Mary, where everybody is praying. And uh, well, one thing that's interesting, well, I'll wait. That's verse 25. I don't want to jump ahead. So we get to, we get to the point where, remember the, the slave girl, Rhoda? That's, the, that's the, the language there. If we were to translate it today to our language, it would actually be Rose. Ran in and said, hey, Pete's at the door, guys. Peter's at the door. No, he's not. You're nuts. You're losing your marbles. He said, no, Peter's at the door. And he kept knocking. They finally went. They went together, remember, because there was still fear that maybe this was a trick or a ploy by Herod. I mean, they wouldn't put it past Herod to, to get more of the Christians to come out where he could arrest them and throw them in jail, too. So they, they went out and... As, as, as cautious as they were, it's kind of funny because Peter had to t- tell them to quiet down. I mean, it's the middle of the night here, and all this disturbance, okay, is, is going to wake up the neighbors. And maybe one of those are a Herod sympathizer, and, you know, somebody's going to go tell on him, and he'll come and get all of them. Peter says, guys, settle down. Verse 17, but motioning them with his hands to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, Report these things to James and the brethren, and he departed and went to another place. We don't know where he went. But he went to another place. He got, I think he got out of Dodge. Okay. Today's, verse 18 and 19. Now when the day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away to execution. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. There was the Roman law that said, if your prisoner escapes, you may receive up to the same punishment that they would have received. Now, they didn't, in, in being far away from Rome, Herod had leeway. He didn't have to carry that letter, that, that law out to the letter of the law. He didn't have to execute them. Oh, that's right, he's Herod. 
So he's going to execute them, okay? So we know that at least four guards were executed because the angel of the Lord led Peter out. Good old Herod Agrippa. He did it because he could. Not because he had to, but because he could and he wanted to. So how easily he could have already, he killed James. He didn't even have to put Peter in jail. He could have killed Peter on the way to jail and been done with it before the feast even began. Herod was not the nice guy. Not the kind of guy you want your daughter to bring home. <laughs> okay? Not, not that kind of guy. Not, not that, that uh, gleam, you know, gleam in your eye father-in-law look to, yeah, that's, that's yeah, bring him home. No, not, not this guy. But Herod, then he leaves town. He's going to, he, he's, he's, he's satisfied, the, the local folks there. He's, he's made them happy a little bit because he's killed some of those People from the way, that, that, that outcast group of the Jews that is preaching something other than their tradition and their orthodoxy. He's gotten rid of one of them and he's made the other one leave town. So he's kind of accomplished his purpose, so he moves on. Now verse 20, Now he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and with one accord they came to him, and having won over Blastus the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. That's what we were talking about. The king controlled the commerce. He controlled the ebb and flow of of the food in and out of Tyre and Sidon. On the appointed day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat on the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. And the people kept crying out, The voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. If you think back to verse 7, that it may be the same angel, we don't know. But it could be the same angel that struck Peter on the side to get him out of prison. Here we have verse 23. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. We'll read 25 later. Um, his, His royal apparel mentioned in verse 21 Josephus gave details on this, and it was a, a, robe, a robe that had silver woven into it, literally woven into his garment. And that when he stood up on the rostrum to speak, the sun glittered and glistened on it. And, and that, that may have been part of the idea that the people thought, other than the fact that they were trying to get in his good graces as well. May have thought that he was a god or, or said, you look like a god. But people will, when, when they're in desperation and they need food, people will do and say a lot of things that may or may not be right or just. But they keep crying out that the, he is a voice of a God and not of a man. People were, were playing to his ego. They, they, wanted to, um, they wanted him to feel good about himself and like they had a good relationship so that they could get what they wanted. Do, do we do that sometimes? Do we say things that we may not be sincere, but we think that that's what somebody else wants to hear? So we'll say it to them just to play nice. 
You don't need to lie. You don't need to lie. And, and these people were obviously working, playing it up. They were hamming it up so that he would feel stroked and that he would feel good about who he was and how these people were worshiping him as a god just so that he would let the food keep coming into town. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 4, if you would. Story of Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream and Daniel told him what it was going to be. And he forgot about the dream and a year goes by. In verse 20, 28, Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is not this Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Remember what happened to him? Seven years, he crawled on the ground and ate the grass like the cattle. He basically lost his mind. At the end of the seven years, he, verse 34, he says, But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And he got his kingdom back. When he acknowledged and understood that it was Jesus Christ, that it was the Heavenly Father that was on the throne, and that it was not Him that was in charge. It was not all about Him and His majesty. So often I, I say and preach from this pulpit, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. And this is a perfect example of what happens when you make it about you. And not about him. Turn with me to Isaiah 42. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. He is a jealous God. The glory that belongs and he deserves needs to go to him. He wants it to go to him. He wants our hearts to be in the position that we will give him the glory for what he has done. It is not ours to accept. Again, it's because it's all about him. It's not about you. Not about me. It is all about God. That's, what, that's why we're here. Chief end of man, if you want to take the New England Catechism. First thing, what is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and to praise him forever. That's why he created us. So that we could praise him. Because it is all about him. Back to Acts. Go ahead and stay in Acts. I, I just 
realized I missed a verse early on, but I'm going to go back and touch on it real quick. First Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And what, what did Nebuchadnezzar do in Daniel? He did evil because he said, Look at me. Look at how great I am. Look what I've built. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And go back there. If you stayed in Acts chapter 12, we're going to see what's going to happen when God's face is towards those that are evil. Verse 23, Acts chapter 12, 23. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and died. Notice the sequence there. He did not die and was eaten by worms. He was eaten by worms and then he died for five days, according to history and Josephus. For five days after the angel struck him. You want to talk about irritable bowel syndrome? Yeah, this was messy. For five days. The worms ate him before he died. Because he did not give God the glory. God's face was towards those that that did evil and he understood and he carried out his judgment. Because Herod Agrippa took the glory for himself. He wanted it to be about himself. It's all about me. Eh, Wrong answer. It's not about you, Herod. It's about God and God accomplishing his purpose. And look at verse 24. In spite of Herod Agrippa and what he was doing, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Amen and amen. God's word... Isaiah 55 will accomplish what he sets it out to accomplish. It will not come back to him until it accomplishes what he set it out to do. And here, the word of the Lord continues to grow and to be multiplied. How cool is that? Verse 25, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem and they had fulfilled their mission, talking, excuse me, taking along with them John, who is also called Mark. Now, why are Barnabas and Saul in Jerusalem? Remember Saul, or excuse me, Barnabas had gone up to Antioch, and that's where the Christians were first called Christians, was at Antioch, and then he'd gone around that corner of the Mediterranean Sea over to Tarsus to get Saul, and he brought Saul back to Antioch. And they ministered together for a year. And then a prophet came up from Jerusalem and prophesied. And what he prophesied caused Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, Saul and Barnabas, to go to Jerusalem. Why'd they go to Jerusalem? Anybody remember? This is your quiz for the day. You don't get to eat unless you get it right. Just kidding. Just kidding. Chapter 11, verse 29. 
And in proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. There was going to be a famine there. Remember that guy, Agabus? Yep, verse 28 there in chapter 11. Agabus came and prophesied that there was going to be a famine. And Saul and Barnabas had done a good job teaching the the young Christians in Antioch. So that when they heard of a need of the brothers in Jerusalem, they took a collection. They gathered as they were able. They didn't put a price tag on it and said, well, we we need to send $3,000 down to Jerusalem. That, That limits God and what he can do. Each one gave as they were, excuse me, each one gave as they were able to give. And the need was met in Jerusalem. So now Paul and Silas are... Saul, boy, slow down, John. Saul and Barnabas are in Jerusalem, and they're going to come back up to Antioch. They returned from Jerusalem where they had fulfilled their mission. Their mission was to take the gifts to the church in Jerusalem. They had completed that mission, and now they're heading back to Antioch, and this time they take John, who is also called Mark. So John Mark. Now the fun part to that, chapter 12 Verse uh, 12. Oh, I'm really hitting that today. Verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary. Mary and Barnabas were brother and sister. John Mark was the son of Mary. So Barnabas was John Mark's uncle. Kind of put that away, maybe make a note on your paper if you want. Put that away as, as to what's coming down the road. Because now as we talked last week, the, the, the focus of Acts is going to shift away from, from Peter's ministry, mostly to the Jews, to Saul's ministry. And, and we're going to see in chapter 13, verse 9, that Saul will become known as Paul. But he's, at this point, he is still Saul. And the, the, the second half of the book of Acts is going to shift to Saul's ministry to the Gentiles and all of his missionary journeys. But we're going to hear about John Mark again because he goes on one of those trips and, and well, I don't want to spoil it. You've got to come back and hear what happens. But anyhow, uh, Barnabas and Saul return from Jerusalem and they bring John, who is also called Mark. So John Mark is now in position in Antioch with them to potentially go on a missionary journey. I'm not going to tell you if he went or not, but he's, he's there ready to, he's, he's staged, so that, that if that happens, that, that he's ready to go on a missionary journey. At the beginning of chapter 12, we have Herod on a rampage, arresting the church leaders, and by the end of the chapter, he's struck by an angel and dies of worms. At the beginning, James is dead, Peter's in prison, and Herod Agrippa is celebrating. By the end of the chapter, Herod Agrippa's dead, Peter's out of jail, and the word is being proclaimed and multiplied. Amen and amen. God is good. God is good to his word. It's going to go forth. And that's what we have to be thankful for today, among many other things, in this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving, the beginning of our, of our country and in, in the relationship with the, the Indians and, and how God provided through the years so that, they would, so that they would survive and we would become a nation. At one point, a nation that 
respected God and had God on the throne where he belonged. I'm sorry we're not that nation anymore. But we do have a lot to be thankful for, so much. We have Jesus Christ to be thankful for and what he's done for us. So as we look forward to this week, understand that even even in the face of adversity that we're looking at in chapter 12, that by the end in verse 24, the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. And, and, and even if, if the election a few weeks ago didn't happen the way you wanted it to, or if it did, it doesn't matter because our mission is to make sure that the word of God continues to grow and to be multiplied. That's our responsibility, is to be sharing the word of God with our neighbors and our friends and our family, that they might know the truth. So that when their day of reckoning comes, they don't stand before God and say, yeah, it was all about me. It was all about me. But that they might know who God is. And that they might know what God has done for them and provided for them so that they would know that God sits on the throne in heaven. And they worship him as King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for faithful men that went before and set the example for us and wanted their ministry to be about Jesus, not about themselves. As we think back just a couple chapters, when Peter was, was teaching the Cornelius the centurion, that he came in and the centurion bowed down and wanted to worship. And Peter said, no, I'm a man just like you. Don't worship me. Worship God in heaven. And Father, I pray that that would be our lives, that we would worship God in heaven. Thank you, Father, for your Son. And thank you for the Word, your Son, that we have to read and study and meditate on. Thank you for this day and for your rich blessings on our lives, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're obviously going to have a, a dinner.